Hey everyone, it's Drew and Elijah, and this is the Think Truth Podcast. So today we have as our topic a continuation of the Holy Spirit series, and this time it's talking about how people who are charismatic often end up pitted against people who are more intellectual. Mm. And I think both sides are probably guilty of this some, but maybe as an intellectual, especially, I feel like I see it most often in the charismatic side. Um, A real disparaging of the life of the mind because people feel apparently like it impinges on charismatic experience. Does that seem fair? I think so. So why is that? I guess that's the question we're diving into here. Yeah. Um, Well, I think first of all, maybe before I directly answer that question, um, for myself, I think I feel the threat um, from the charismatic direction largely, I think we've briefly touched this in some of our past podcasts, but largely because it can feel that some of these more experiential charismatic types um, not only are they promoting these experiences, which in some cases I'm perfectly fine with, but then kind of part of that same package is a deep suspicion of anyone who thinks deeply. Mm-hmm. And so then I think that's why I find, um, like, I don't feel like it, I don't feel like it should be that these two camps are at odds, assuming that, I mean, I think almost any, everyone agrees that there are abuses of charismatic doctrine. I think that's fairly non-controversial if you if you don't think that there are any abuses then yeah you're you're clearly fairly far out in left field (laughs) very far out in left field um so yeah i think that's that for me is where um i find the, the, the tension what i what i need to work through in my own life um i'm completely fine with someone saying um you know i think there should be more of the gifts of the spirit in our lives, maybe even more of specific, more charismatic experiential gifts like tongues or prophecy or miracles or healing. Um, And I think this is where I can get confused and something that I, yeah, I'm, I'm very much wrestling through and thinking about like, why is it that it seems most people that are excited about anything in that direction, um, also seem a little bit reluctant and to, and you're very quick to say things like, or make sure you aren't just thinking in the natural mind. And, um, <laughs> we don't want to rely on our thinking, you know, we need God's spirit, but it's like, and I'm thinking, amen, like we need God's spirit. Yeah. But, but why is that relevant? Here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I think for me, what I, what I have seen happen way too much in my life. And I think this is something I have to take responsibility for is I see that what, what what often seems like a frontal attack on, well, frankly, the kind of person I am. Um, and it causes me to be less open to some things in the spirit direction sure. than I should be. And I think I have to just, I've had to be honest about that with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I also feel like it just shouldn't need to be that way. It shouldn't right. need to be like you either can be someone that's, you know, all into carefully studying the word and thinking deeply, or you can be someone that's just received let's say receive the baptism of the spirit and doesn't need to rely on the natural man and is now just living in the spirit. Like that's a dichotomy that I just think (laughs) is really, really bad. Yeah. And there's a, 
the, the strongest intellectuals in scripture, someone like Paul, mm. who spent years at seminary, right? The, the seminary of his day. Um, the most intellectual writers were those who ironically say the things that are usually wielded by the, the more, let's say, non-intellectuals who lean more towards charismatic experiences uh -huh. and stuff. Which I think shows that Paul did not see it as something that should be seen as pitted against another. Right. Paul was someone who knew his biblical doctrine, knew his Old Testament from cover to cover. Yeah. Um, and the the extra biblical books and a whole lot of other poetry and 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 other writings. He was absolutely familiar with the scriptures. Um but he was also someone who just as much cared about knowing God in a personal experiential way. Right. And I mean, he's the, he's the, the most educated for sure. And probably the smartest of the apostles telling people that he speaks in tongues more than all the rest of them. And that yeah. just seems to us today. That's, that's just something that's, well, I think that's something we should really, we should cherish about that. Yes. About seeing those two things operating together. Um, because it's so rare today. Yeah. But how do we make that less, more how do we make that a more common experience in our mm -hmm. churches rather than this you know the few intellectuals in the church who are kind of looking um a little askance at the more charismatic people and vice versa uh -huh. we should want to see charismatic people in the sense of people who want to know Jesus on a personal level and want to experience spiritual gifts uh -huh. simultaneously caring very much about doctrine and doing good biblical exegesis. Right. And frankly, I haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah. The people who seem to be all into um, speaking in tongues and, and spiritual experiences and something by and large are not really doing that good uh, biblical exegesis and, mm -hmm. Those are not the ones usually that are coming out with great sermons. I can think of a few exceptions. Sure. I think someone like Zach Poonin probably mm. would be a good example. Uh, sure. Not from our circles, but someone who is very charismatic and yet also simultaneously very intellectual uh -huh. and cares right. about the study of scripture. Or someone like um, Dr. Michael Brown, mm. um, just talking to you about yeah. this before the podcast started. An excellent charismatic leader i disagree with him on various things but he's a a good example of someone who cares a lot about the life of the mind mm -hmm. thinking deeply he's a he's a theologian with a doctorate um <laughs> and yet he's someone who's uh speaks in tongues and has charismatic experiences sure. often and, and i think again that's what we're looking for uh -huh. we want a combination of both not this eternal rivalry between thinking and feeling and well, I think, and I don't know what you think about this, and this is not something I'm sold on, but I wonder if, I mean, yes, ideally, we have everything in our spiritual lives. Like we're, we have these great thinking abilities and these great charismatic experiences and we can witness very well and disciple well. Like, but I think realistically speaking in the church, most of these gifts are distributed throughout the body mm -hmm. and you don't have one individual that's like, um, demonstrating the, the best of all worlds. Um, what do you think about this? Um, how much is it that 
as individuals, we need to have more of these seemingly opposite tendencies welded together. And how much of it is that we simply are going to have some people in the church that are more charismatic and are less intellectual, that are not going to be as good at exegesis, that are very um, spirit-led and have lots of charismatic experiences. We need to value that. While there's also someone there with less charismatic experience that's a very good biblical scholar, and they're supposed to be fellowshipping together and seeing each other's role is important. Maybe, but I don't get the picture from Paul that he saw spiritual gifts as being something that only some people in the church had. Oh, sure. I think Paul would have seen like everyone should, should expect to be operating in some sort of spiritual gift, right? Well, absolutely, but not all spiritual gifts. When I think that we, we talked about this in I think our last podcast, not all of the spiritual gifts or the or the gifts of the spirit um, are gifts that fall under the charismatic experiential category. So, like teaching, right? Teaching Is and administration. Teaching? I think I think so. Yeah. So I think that's that's where. Yes, like. <laughs> You could be someone that is very much operating in the gifts of the spirit and not have charismatic experiences, I think, based on on scripture. Mm-hmm. I still think, though, someone like Paul would have, when he says to everyone, covet earnestly to prophesy or sure. earnestly desire to prophesy or whatever, um, it seems like he was expecting at least some of those charismatic more, let's say more charismatic gifts, right? <laughs> Maybe an odd word to use, but, um, should be experienced by everyone, or mm-hmm. at least it would be good if they were practiced by everyone. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. And when I was throwing that out there, I was, I, I'm not, um, I'm not in any way thinking there should be a dichotomy between people with non-charismatic gifts and those with charismatic gifts. Mm-hmm. Sure. At the same time, I, I do wonder if we are going to see people in the church that their gifts are more in, in the one camp than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one mm-hmm. simple, I think one obvious reality is that not everyone in the church is going to be someone with a great gift of exegesis. Some of that's a personality Sure, question. sure, yeah. Um, so, but then I guess you, we, you, you could say that the person with that, the more biblical study gifts has no reason to be less involved in the charismatic ones than some any other, anyone else. But I don't know. Like I'm, part of me feels like we start to to go astray when we try to neatly figure <laughs> out sure, categories yeah. of of where people should land on those questions. Um, yeah. So I wonder though on the. On the more charismatic side, I think charismatic people need to, just as much as we talk about intellectuals needing to be more open to charismatic gifts, charismatic people really need to be more open to intellectual critique. Mm -hmm. Because there are some goofy, silly nonsense that happens in charismatic, like in in our circles, let's say, um, yeah, I I can think of many examples. (laughs) But in our circles, especially the more independent Mennonite churches mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, charity churches too. Sure. Um, just nonsense where it wasn't very well thought through or, or people, you know, here's an example. When people um, assume that, 
something that looks to me very much like it was just a natural phenomenon. Mm. Like they try to read some spiritual right. like thing into that. I'm like, no, dude, that's not how it works. Right. When when God is doing something supernatural, it's going to be really clear, and we're not going to need to try to read spiritual significance, right? Uh, or not spiritual, supernatural significance sure. into it. Um, other things like fake speaking in tongues is a real thing. That is very much a real thing. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's just a lot of nonsense that doesn't seem very open to intellectual criticism. And if you try to, they're like, well, you know, you're just doing this in your natural, your natural mind. And we need to, we need to be okay with, that sort of criticism happening or else we're not going to have a healthy church. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that we have to keep in mind here is the importance of both the mind and the heart in, in the Christian experience. And that's where I think anytime in, in like a charismatic context where someone's like, well, you're just using the natural, your natural thinking and whatever. Um, yeah. It's like we need to ask the question, is this natural? Right. Is this the natural mind or is this just the mind? Right, because <laughs> the idea of becoming a Christian is not that you put put your put your mind away and, and rely on feelings. Um mm -hmm. I mean there are there is a religion that talks about trying to like get out of the mind. It's called um, Buddhism. <laughs> so I think there are you some could Christian, have that if you want. They <laughs> are they're definitely Christian Buddhism is definitely a thing. <laughs> but uh <laughs> But no, seriously, I think, yeah, that, that's where the, the scrutiny needs to go in both directions on the natural thing. Like mm -hmm. natural feelings and emotions are very much a thing too. So yes. if you're going to critique thinking, like anytime someone's trying to think carefully, like, whoa, 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 there goes your natural mind. Well, then anytime someone's like, well, I just, I just sense in my heart, and like, wait a minute, you know, the Bible says the heart is exceedingly wicked. But of course that's. No one's ever fair like that. This is a one-sided yeah, yeah. critique um, addressed to the, towards the mind. And I think we see in um, the greatest commandment, of course, given initially in the Old Testament and reiterated by Jesus, of loving God with all of our heart, heart soul, mind, and strength. You can't think too much, yeah. right? The same way we can't love or feel too much. Totally. We can think and feel and love in the wrong ways. Yes. With our thinking and our emotions directed in the wrong place. But to tell someone, you know, I just feel like you're thinking too hard to figure this out. What that really should mean is that you're thinking in a way that should be changed. And of course, that can be a thing. We can be like um, zeroed in on one thing, trying to figure it out and leaving other things out we need to consider. And mm -hmm. perhaps even leaving out a, an emotional component that... Um, that would be helpful. Although I think the, the better way of putting that is simply that we need um, more of the spirit to direct us in that. And I think that is where thinking people do need to be sure that, you know, are you actually allowing the spirit to work through your thinking? Mm -hmm. But thinking, there's nothing more flawed about thinking as a process than feeling. Yes. Um, and well, I think, actually, I think well, it's, it's the, the other way around. Exactly. Yeah. I think feeling is a little more, <laughs> there's, a, there's a few more loose ends for feeling than, than thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is which is something I think we have to recognize with um, even just how the gospel is presented. It does kind of prioritize mental assent quite a bit in yes. believing on Jesus. and Not to the exclusion no. of, of feeling, but 
man, it's hard to come away from the New Testament without feeling like it's really, really important what you do. Right. Propositions, like statements of truth. Like what do you do with Jesus Christ as the son of God? Mm -hmm. Um, According to scripture, you affirming that and the the mental ascent thing is an important part of the salvation Very much so, yeah. Um, And that involves the mind. And also um, things like, Things like praise. Like, are we supposed to think that praise is supposed to be a non-mental right. process? Yeah. Um, praise. You, you think about somebody like David who was praising God. It was very much a mental process of, first of all, formulating words that express to the people around you the truth of who, of who God was, who mm-hmm. God is. Um, <laughs> it's not a statement of nonsense that, you know, just as a is a thing to God. Now, right. of course there is speaking in tongues sure. to God, praying in tongues, but praise is for the most part, a very mental process uh-huh. that is supposed to be energized and, um, filled with, um, spiritual feeling as well. Sure. But, um, yeah. So much of what it means to be a Christian is going to involve activating your mind. Yeah. And I think that's where, Anytime someone in a charismatic direction starts to knock the process of the mind, we need to be like, wait a minute, slow down. There is There are bad ways to use the mind. But if your theology doesn't allow for serious thinking, you just clearly aren't in line with scripture because it's yeah. it's all over the Bible. Thinking and, and or even, even, you know, um, I think it's Paul talking about the renewing of our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all over the Bible using yeah. our minds. One of my favorites, of course, is second Corinthians 10, where it says, um, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Of course, everyone starts mm-hmm. thinking, oh, here we go with some like charismatic stuff, right? right. Spiritual warfare. Yeah, yeah. Well, then it defines it in the next verse. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. I mean, that is an amazingly mental, intellectual process. I feel like if you went somewhere in in a charismatic setting and said that we're supposed to demolish arguments, they'd tell you to stop relying on your natural man. (laughs) Not natural mind, but I mean, there it is. Straight from Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Demolishing arguments. And I think that's really important because oftentimes I feel like Verses are commandeered by a very charismatic perspective that mm-hmm. that elevates the, the the heart, the feeling, um, and they're, they're commandeered to where you hear it and you immediately think charismatic. Right. Mm-hmm. When in fact, that's not really the point. Sure, um, mm-hmm. sure, we have to activate our emotions in yes. choosing to um, take in the truth and and to want to follow scripture. But ultimately what's going on is we're asking ourselves, what is in line with the truth? Mm-hmm. And what do I need to say no to simply because it doesn't line up with the truth? Right. And man, if our minds are involved with that process, mm. <laughs> right. uh, we're not doing spiritual warfare. Exactly. Oh, very good points. So maybe maybe to think back to this false dichotomy of the between intellectuals and charismatics um what advice should we give to to people on either side of of the of (laughs) i don't know 
people that tend, I think most of us tend to veer into one ditch or the other. Maybe that's a good way of thinking about mm-hmm. it. Most people tend to be too focused on, you know, what they sense or feel at the expense of good thinking or vice versa. Um, I mean, basically we can throw out a test, right? If, if you're finding yourself critiquing one side more than the other, you probably mm-hmm. need to be more balanced right. and mm-hmm. be open to both. Um, and I take that myself. Right. Well, I've seen, I mean, I know I've seen that lately in my own life where, you know, <laughs> I just like to, th- I'm someone that just loves the life of the mind. I'm someone that I want to read a book. I want to study. I took a, took a college club test today. It was like these things I enjoy doing. And if I'm not doing them, I'm bored to death as my wife will attest. <laughs> but, um, I've had to see, you know, there's, there's a place where I just need to have, um, to the point of maybe the more, to use, um, kind of, not terminology, um, an idea that I think is more commonly expressed on more, the more experiential charismatic side. Um, there are times I just need Jesus in my life. And I, and I think, (laughs) um, that needs to be applied in a very meaningful way. And, but there's been times I've, I've realized, you know, God, I need you for today. I need to like, maybe I feel like I'm, my day's gonna be busy and like that prayer time in the morning is like, well, you know, I'll, I'll just pray a little bit on the road instead of praying before I leave. And things like that where I'm choosing to prioritize my relationship with God and to recognize it simply for the grace to get through my day and fulfill my responsibilities in a, in a good way, I need God and I need him in an experiential way to guide me throughout my day. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been good for me to, to realize that and, re- and rec- recognize that, no, the key to the Christian life isn't that I know how to sit down and like look at these words here and like come up with a good argument. Like, I think that's very much a part of what goes on. But there is also the sense where I think people like us just need to, we need to get before God and just ask him to guide everything that we're doing throughout the day. And I think that reality needs to very much be a part of, of our existence. And if we yeah. lose that and simply turn it into like, let's make sure we're thinking well and understand what good actually Jesus here, something is going to be missing. And For I think sure. that's where, when that's going on, the critique from the charismatics of you're just relying on your natural mind could actually be correct. Absolutely. Because it, it is a thing, just relying on your own thinking and not yeah. allowing God to work through you is a thing. And we need to recognize that. And I, I think for those listening to this podcast, the takeaway is not thinking is the answer, but the power of God working in our lives through the Holy Spirit is the answer. And it's going to touch every part of our being, including our thinking, but also including our feeling and our emotions. So, Absolutely. Well, maybe that's a good place to wrap it up here. Yeah, sorry for the rant. <laughs> it's been a good discussion, and we need to remember to emphasize both mm-hmm. uh, as we go out into life again. Um, Yes, emphasize our thinking as important and also have our thinking be energized by the love and devotion we have for Christ as um, a relationship that we care most about. Amen.